Hi everybody, welcome back. It's your girl Camille Essick for another episode of the Speaker Podcast. And um, as I previously stated uh, in other episodes, this month we are uh, giving space for our men to speak out. And on this particular episode, I have an amazing guest, uh, someone I call brother and uh, friend, uh, Mr. Prescott Mack. Prescott, thank you for joining us. For sure, for sure. Uh, uh, Awesome. This is dope. I'm glad glad to be on. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your um, busy schedule to join me. So for those that do not know, who is Prescott? Who is he? You asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure that out, to be honest. Um, but I am a 28-year-old entrepreneur, uh, sports, I'll, I'll say sports entrepreneur. Um, basketball is pretty much my whole life. Um, I have figured out ways to, you know, be in business without actually being in business with basketball without actually being a player. Um 28. I'm a dad. I am from Dallas, Texas. Um, that's it. I, I mean, I'm just me. <laughs> well, me, we are. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> so you were saying that you you're in basketball, but not having to play. Did you at some point in your life, did you ever play ball? Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I played pretty much all my life. Okay. Um, I played in college at Lovett Christian University. I actually was a um, D1 football prospect in high school. And so a lot of people don't know because I'm so all about basketball. Like, baseball was actually my best sport. That was the sport I was, like, kind of born to play. And then football was the sport I got the most recognition. And then basketball was that sport that I was, like, very overlooked, very underrated. Nobody gave me any type of looks, so I struggled in basketball, but I think that's why I love it so much. It didn't come easy. It sounds like you like a challenge. I I do. I do. (laughs) Good. (laughs) I feel like I got to have something. um, I always got to have a lot going on in order to function. Awesome. So in in regards to basketball, um, what roles have you played on the business end? Like, are you... um, teams, uh, agent, what, how have you found your lane in basketball without playing? So, um, I, early on when I figured out that I wasn't gonna, I wasn't projected to go pro or anything, I decided at like 16 years old that I was going to be a sports agent. Um, I had a little cousin who was pretty, um, really, really good, had gotten a lot of, um, recognition and he, we just knew he was going to go pro. And so at that at that time, I was like, okay, you focus on ball as much as you can. I'm going to focus on ball and, you know, the brains. And, you know, we're going to go to college. I'm still going to pursue my dream of, of being a college basketball player. And then once I achieve that dream, I'm just going to be a sports agent. Mm-hmm. And so I decided that at like 16. And so went off kind of like it didn't happen in the the timing that we wanted but we both did what we were supposed to do he became a pro a pro player and I became an agent um I went to go play college ball at at LCU and then left early and started my agency 
Um, and when I went to, when I became an agent, I just started going into every other avenue of basketball. So I became a trainer where I was training kids and training pros. And then um, I started coaching. Um, so I've done select ball coaching, school. I, I'm actually currently a varsity um, head basketball coach for a men's and women's team for a private school. Um, I did refereeing, like I've done broadcasting. I think there's not an aspect of basketball that I haven't done yet. Like oh, wow. I've, I've done everything. Okay, that is so awesome. With um, you being an agent, what um, what have some of the successes that you've experienced being an agent? Like, have you signed anyone or uh, kind oh, yeah. of tell the um, listeners about that? And what's the name yeah, of your agency so, as well? What's the name of your agency? Oh, my agency is Proverbs Representation and Management. Proverbs, like the book in the Bible, mm-hmm. and Representation and Management. Um, and yeah, I've had I've had plenty of success from from you know players from my agency getting into the G League uh, to playing in top leagues overseas. To I mean, I mean, being an agent has taken me all around the world. Like I don't I don't know if there's that that many countries I haven't been to yet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at the age of twenty eight, so. You know, I work with overseas basketball players, so I haven't reached that that um, NBA status yet where I have a player in the NBA, but I'm close. I, I actually just signed uh, a player out of the University of Nevada. who They were in the NCAA tournament and um, did, did – well, they got knocked out first round, but this, this particular player has a lot of potential. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I've grown every year of my career signing better players and making mistakes, learning from them, but I've had, I've had some pretty good success so far. That's awesome. I, and for those that have not um, seen his Instagram, social media, this man travels like um, I've traveled overseas, but with, you know, where I'm at right now, I have not been able to with my schedule, but sometimes I see his social media and I just like, Man, that's so dope. Like, he really travels and lives life and just really takes it in. I think that is so dope. Um, as far as, do you ever think about ownership or that lane That lane as far as moving up? Because, you know, in um, within our community, most of our black men are players. Yeah, was it like 70, 80 percent? But the ownership is, what, zero? So what is your goal as far as, you know, upper management becoming a key uh, mover and shaker in the world of sports team ownership. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because, um, well, one, I want to point out uh, the NBA is really, really good about minority ownership that, mm-hmm. you know, there's Michael Jordan owns the Charlotte Hornets and then Jay-Z had ownership of the Brooklyn Nets. So yeah. it's like we, they do in the NBA, you know they'll they'll give you a seat at the table. Yeah, um, I think so it's more I, of the NFL, them. right? The NFL is tough. Like they yeah. they're not trying to give us the, the seat at the table at right. all. But um, but the NBA is really good about that. So I just want to you know highlight them on that because I that's I appreciate that aspect. But um, I have just recently in the last two weeks, I guess, um, moved into that ownership uh, role and. I am now the owner of um, a pro basketball team in Dallas called the Dallas Skyline, and we play in a league called the TBL, which is um, 
the TBO kind of falls under the NBA G League. It's okay. like a, a third division of the United States. And so it's a pro league with about, we have like, I think my team is the 11th team. So we have, they had 10 teams for the last couple of years um, all over the United States. And um, I come in as the 11th market to join the league. And I think we, they just signed the Detroit market. Or no, they signed a New Jersey market just recently, and so um, yeah, so I, I I definitely you know agree with the most of us are players, and so not a lot of times do we get the opportunity to um, go into upper management or become an owner, and so um, I had you know just a, a testimony the other day at church it was like you know I grew up wanting to be on a pro team, wanting to play on the pro team, but God was like. Uh, Nah, your your big plans is too small for my for my plans. So how about you not be on the team? How about you own the team? And so, you know, having that opportunity to now become an owner um, is is crazy, and it's a it's actually scary right now. Like like I said, I'm two weeks in. It hasn't really hit me yet, but it's surreal. It is, <laughs> it's surreal, man. So um, it's a lot of work, but yeah, that that was always. Um, one of my things that I wanted to put in my portfolio and more of a selfish reason because, uh, you know, as an agent, you always think of different ways of how you can capitalize and, and, you know, make more money. And so for me, I always thought being an owner is like, okay, you know, if I can avoid the conflict of interest, I can own the team and I can sign. If I own the team, I can sign my own clients. And so like, I'm just making money in three different ways. Or if, if I can be a general manager of the team, um, and I'm in charge of the roster, I can represent players, sign my players as, as an agent, and then hire my own players to be on my roster. And then the team pays those players, and then who do you think is going to get the commission off of those players? Me. So it was just, you know, uh, putting myself in position to where I eat multiple different ways, but then um, having this opportunity to be an owner kind of gives my clients another opportunity um, to – you know, have a have an avenue of where they can play, um, and they have an avenue of staying in the states. Um, and then I have I have the avenue of, of really walking away from agency life um, and the grind of it, and really focusing on one thing. If if it comes to that, I don't see myself not being an agent anytime soon. But um, you know, I just give myself another avenue to kind of walk away from that life. So. Well, first of all, congratulations on um, that venture. I think that's cool. And we, you were talking about church, and it made me think about um, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, um, I know the thoughts I think towards you, and thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. And sometimes we can have just such a small thought, but God is like ten steps ahead of us, and you know we're just thinking about this little saucer, but God has this platter for us. Or even a table, you know, and it's just amazing how the little things that we we think and God sees us so much bigger. So I think that's so awesome that you were thinking about just playing, but he's like, no, ownership. So right. and then in doing that, you're also creating jobs for other people and opportunities. So um, what's that? Um, the blessings of the Lord make us rich and he addeth no sorrow. So when he blesses you, you're also you know, he's also working through you to bless other people. And I think that's so amazing. Right. 
I actually have that uh, that scripture tatted on my chest. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So don't don't start prophesying over I'm there. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it's just you know you were talking and it just really came to my mind. I'm not trying to like be all preachy or whatever, but it's no, just, no, I, no, no, <laughs> I think that's just, yeah. That was ironic. Like you, that's the scripture that's just that I live by. It's tatted right here on my chest. So yeah, that's amazing. Exactly. Um, and you you kind of have like a little a gift of writing on the low. <laughs> I was looking on the, low. on the low. So you did an article. We're gonna kind of segue because you have so many. Um, you're multifaceted, and I love that. And yes. in your um, gift of writing, I'm calling it a gift of writing because I see you writing a book one day. That's just me. But um, you wrote an article called "Liar Liar." So. Mm-hmm. What prompted you to write this article? First of all, what is Liar Liar about? And what prompted you to write this article? So um, I had a, uh, a blog called uh, Good, or Good Past P, uh, which is my you know, social media handle. And um, at the time, I was going through a divorce. I was, I was breaking up with my wife that I had been with for since I was 16, so for about 11 years or so, and um, really, I guess my, my what prompted me to write it was to get in front of the, mis- like, the mistake, I guess you can say, but, you know, I'm a little bit more in the public eye than she was, and so, you know, when, when, it, when it came out to you know, what, why we were breaking up. I wanted to be the one to tell everybody. I wanted to be the one to, to stand in front of it and say, this is what happened. And then I wanted to be free from it because, um, cause I, I just needed that freedom. And so let me back up the liar, liar was about, I, I was a dog. Um, I was out here just cheating and, um, being just being a dog when when I was married and I um, and so at, at one at some point my my wife was just like um, you know she was praying to that we stay together praying that God changed me praying all of this stuff and um, you know at, at, it got to a point where um, if you ask her God said okay it's okay for you to leave and and she left and and so that was it and so. Um, what prompted me to do it was just, just me saying, okay, listen, yes, all of it's true. Like, this is what happened. This is what I, this is what I did, but this is how I did it. And it's more of, I need to get it out there and be released from it. Um, because it got to a point where I was like, um, just lying to everybody like it it was like when you tell one lie it just it spreads and you have to keep telling multiple lies to cover up each lie like a snowball like a snowball so it was to a point where like like we said earlier I was traveling a lot it was and so sometimes I was using traveling as an excuse or as a um reason to go and you know be with other women or something so some have sometimes i wouldn't even be going where i said i was going and so it's and then i didn't have that person um or you know most most men they got their homeboy that know that all they dirt that that they or they got multiple homeboys like if they're going to go cheat on on their girl 
at least they they boys know and they boys just covering it up for them for me i never had that like so i was lying to everybody i was lying to my my friends my boys like hey bro i'm about to go here i'm about to do some business da 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 da, da. just so that my story matched up every with everybody except for the person that i was really going with so um it was just a lot man and and it was to a point where nobody knew all everything about prescott and i i think i had an epiphany one day where i was like i don't have anybody in my life that knows every single thing about me and so like when you when you have that problem you're like dang like there's not even somebody in my life that knows 90 percent about me or 80% 80% about me. Everybody had knows half-truths about me. And so it started. It starts to really, like, um, take a toll on you. And that lying spirit just, it just starts to weigh you down. And so, believe it or not, when my, when my wife left, that, it, it needed to happen so that I can hit the maturity threshold I needed to hit to really open my eyes and realize that. And so, me writing that was just, it was more for me than anybody else. It was just my release. It was like, like throwing that baggage away and, and accepting it and leaving it in the past. So it was crazy. You said a mouthful. So my first question is, because this, you know, this um, month, you know, it's for men. So one of my questions is how important for a man to have a circle of friends, a, a squad, whatever you want to call it, of integrity around you? Like, how key is that when you're walking that path of manhood? Um, I think you I think you have to, because integrity can be, integrity is subjectional nowadays, so you, you can have, like, one, one dude's group, he can feel like his group, is, his squad is so loyal and they have integrity, but then... I can look at that group and be like, "Damn, all y'all is shiesty. Um, But so it's subjectional. But I think you gotta have that. You gotta have a, a group that that grows with you. Um, so like when you're 16, you got a group of friends, and if you turn, if then you turn 18 or you turn 21, and you still with that same group of friends, but they still acting like y'all were 16 then you might not, you might need to move on because you, you getting held back by that group of friends. And so then you got a group of, a new group of friends at 21 and y'all doing the same things. Y'all, y'all live in life, y'all a squad. And then you get to 25 and you know, they still doing the same things they were doing when y'all were 21 and you're trying to, you're trying to move forward or you're trying to get past that. Um, and then like me at 28, I've reached this, this um, maturity threshold that I'm like, I need, I can really only hang out with people only over 30 because like people my age, I just don't, I don't relate to. Um, not, there's not many of people my age that I relate to. So um, I just think your, your, your squad has to match your, um, your, your path, your desire, what you're trying to do in life at this point. Otherwise, you're going to end up, you know, either brought down by them or constantly carrying them. And that's that's a burden in itself. I think my problem was I didn't have a squad, period. And so I think having having a, a group of friends or having a friend 
is is really important because you need somebody to be like, oh, bro, that like, okay, now you're going too far. Like, you know, maybe maybe your boy entertains it at first, like, oh, dang, she fine. Like, go ahead, I ain't gonna tell your girl or whatever. But then, you know, eventually, you know, you start to do some some grimy stuff, and your boy is just like, all right, you know, you're doing a little too far. You're going a little too far. Like, we can't we can't keep doing this, especially if they are. Um, if they know your girl, then they become have a relationship with your girl too. So I think my problem was I didn't have close enough friends. Like I'm, I'm an only child. I really am very standoffish. I, I just do my thing and I keep it moving. And I don't really get close to anybody. And I think that was that was my problem. And I had, and that was my problem with my wife too. Is I wasn't um, affectionate enough. I didn't show enough. Um, you know, like I didn't let her get close to me or whatever. So I whenever she left, I became a better friend. I started reaching out to my friends more and, and trying to be present with my family. And instead of just traveling all the time and being all about work, I, I started to be more um, available and, and emotionally available and, and tell tell my niggas I love them or excuse me, tell my boys I love them. Tell, you know my family, I love them and, and show up and you know what I'm saying? So I think a lot of times you just need, you do need a squad, but that squad has to, you know, match, match your lifestyle. Yo, this is your boy Prescott Mack and I am a guest with Camille Essick on the speaker podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Camille Essick, and if you're just tuning in, I have the amazing Prescott Mack here on the Speaker Podcast. And Prescott, you were talking about having um, a friend or accountability around you and discussing your divorce. So you um, previously said that you were a father. You are a father. Um, well, shout yes. out, first of all, happy Father's Day. Shout out to all the dads out there. Um, how did... The divorce, how did that impact your role as a father or how did it change the dynamics of fatherhood for you? Man, um, it sound it sounds so bad because I feel like my divorce was such a positive thing for me. But it when I when when I when we got divorced or when we broke up, um I fell so in love with my son that it was just it's unreal. Like and I I feel like it's, it's almost sad because I'm like, dang, if I'm if I'm just now loving him like this now, how was I loving him before? And I think I relied on her to show the love while I was the one, you know, teaching the lessons, being the disciplinarian and stuff like that. But then when when it was just me and him, it was like, I bro, I love you like you're you're dope <laughs> like. Like I, you would be my best friend if you actually pay for dinner. Sometimes, like, um, <laughs> like bro, you, it's never on you, bro. It's always on me. Like that. But yeah, it, I mean, if he paid a bill or something, he would probably be my best friend. Like that's my guy. <laughs> um, and I think it just took me recognizing all my mistakes in my relationship and me pouring that love that I I should have been given to my wife at the time into my son and. And just, like, I don't even know if this is biblical or not because I couldn't tell you the scripture. But, like, when you pour, like, when you're pouring the love out, the feeling you get is just, like, that the reciprocation of the love is, is an even better feeling um, than 
you actually receiving the vote. So I I was just um, it just took my me and my son's relationship to a totally different level. Um, like I'm I'm traveling as we speak, and you know my guy would Facetime me, and you know we can talk, we can actually sit and talk. He's a lot older now. We uh, me and my wife adopted him when he was four years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's not our biological son, but mm-hmm. we uh, adopted him when when he was four, and so now he's seven. And so you know he, of course, he's a lot older, so we you can talk to him about a lot more things, right. but. It is just like we just we're just close now. Um, I hate being away from them. I used to like like you know I used to travel so much and it used to not bother me to be away at all. Like and I'd be like in Australia for two weeks and so I'm 15 hours ahead and you know it wouldn't bother me to be away from home. But now like I hate being gone. I just want to give back to him. He, he's annoying as hell because all he wants to do is play uh, Fortnite. But like, <laughs> other than that, like I'd be like, bro, let's go to Six Flags or let's do all of these things. And I just love hanging out with him because and just talking to him when he's in a good mood, um, which he usually is. You know, he don't be in a bad mood, but when he's like in one of those like goofy moods, he reminds me of me, and he just he's just super funny and super smart and he's just very competitive and it's just it's fun to be around him it's it's cool to have like a best friend makes me want one of my own about a biological child of my own and um so my relationship with him actually got so much better um when when i got divorced and part of it was because my parents divorced when i was five and me and my father's relationship kind of went up and down um because of you know the divorce and mm-hmm. i just vowed to um and shout out to my pops since it's father's day my you know i love my dad um but i just vowed to never you know while since we you know are separated and we got this um blended family now like i'm gonna make sure that my son knows that Daddy was always there, no matter what. I've always, I'm always gonna be there. We can talk about anything, however you feel about whatever. Like I just wanted to make sure that within the divorce, he knew he didn't have a thing like my daddy left me. Like he didn't have that feeling like my daddy left. Me. Like, yeah, you didn't want to repeat that cycle. Exactly. That's so like great. I'm there. I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm at your football practices. I'm at your football games. I'm at your basketball. Game. I'm coaching your basketball games. I'm coaching your baseball team. Like. um I'm I'm there. I'm present. being like, present. Yeah, yeah. So. That's awesome. And you had mentioned um, you adopted him when he, when he was four. What uh-huh. prompted you and your then wife at that time to adopt versus um, having a child together? Um, well, she had trouble. I, I hope she, but she should. We cool now. Um, <laughs> she she had trouble conceiving. And so, um, you know, we, we tried a lot actually. And, but we didn't plan to adopt Jelani. We, um, Jelani is, Jelani's mom is from our high school. Like she's friends of ours from high school. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, she had three, three children, um, three boys. And my son is the youngest and she, um, got into some some trouble 
and they ended up taking her boys from her. And so every the oldest two they had dads and 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 in Australia when uh, we were supposed to when we were supposed to get it. Well, I was in Egypt first, and we get the call and it says, "Hey, you know, can you take my youngest boy for a little while?" And we were like, "Yeah, cool." We get I get back from Egypt. I have like maybe a week before I leave to go to Australia, so we have to get our home, you know, uh, approved and all that from CPS and the foster people. And so, and I leave to go to Australia. I come back um, November fourteenth of twenty sixteen, November fourteenth, twenty sixteen, and then he he gets placed in our home November. 16th 2016 so um yeah so we we pretty much we didn't choose it we just got asked to take him and then it kind of became a permanent thing um you know after a while we we just knew he wasn't going to go anywhere um so that's so awesome um that you've said so much and i know you're pressed for time because you're traveling um, what are some of the takeaways and the message um, or advice you want to give to black men that desire to have a, a, a solid, real honest relationship, marriage, fatherhood, entrepreneurship? Like, just um, kind of quickly unpack that. Just if you could yeah. give a message to our, our men, and maybe they're older, just black men, period. What are some of the uh, nuggets you would like to leave for the listeners? Um, Learn from your mistakes. Try not to try not to make the same mistake twice. Um, and then I think I'm I'm a strong believer that every man um, will act right for the right woman. And so I, me going through what I went through, I just said I was done with the with the cheating life, the playing, the player life, all of that. I was just like I'm. I don't have time for it. It's 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 too much. It's a lot. Like with trying to live two lives. And I was a person that um, I wouldn't just cheat. Like, I would have affairs. Like, I would have a whole other relationship. Um, and so it was even even more, and, and that's even worse on my wife, too, because, like, not only do you, are you, is it not, a, it's not just about sex. It's about, like, you have a whole other relationship. That means you love this person. So, yeah, yeah I was I was giving my heart away. That's how bad it was for me. Because, um, like, but, the women, for us, it's not even physical. What's the saying? Yeah. You get the mind, the body will follow. And we're, we can be so mentally, emotionally into a guy. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's probably worse than sleeping with a guy just because of the way we're built, you know? Exactly. And so I think I had a female per se trait in, in my cheating because I was like emotionally attached to, to women. So, it was it was even worse than me just going out and just having sex and being done with it. So I would just my advice to men is just um, like find the right one and and really um, be selfless. Be um, you know, there's a saying I watch Charlamagne the God a lot. He says, "Oh yeah, me too. Know, I love him." <laughs> <laughs> don't he's like don't treat people how you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated, and that's like powerful because looking back on my relationship, I was. I'm an only child, so um, 
I don't need a lot of affection. I don't need a lot of like, that's not one of my love languages is, is, uh, physical touch. Like I don't need, uh, affirmation. Like I'm pretty confident. So, but my wife did. And so I was trying to treat her like I wanted to be treated and I needed to treat her like she wanted to be treated. And so, um, it, I, I think that's a, that's a major key. And then that balance, if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, a family man, all in one, one, you got to make sure you built for that because it's not for everybody. Um, and I mean, entrepreneurship ain't for everybody. Facts. Either way, we both know that. Facts and all day. Because so, the people you so, think will support you, friends, family, look again. <laughs> exactly. So it's not built for everybody. But if you're trying to be like the, the family man, have a wife, and kid and all that. And trying to travel and be an entrepreneur and, and really be married to your business is you got to learn that balance. Um, and you really are going to have it takes, um, you know, 10 times the effort to make sure that the business of your home is thriving as well as your, your business outside your home. So you got to think I the way I think now is like my my home is a business and I got to make sure everybody in that business is happy. And, and that it's thriving because it won't thrive if everybody's not happy. So I can't, uh, and they say, they tell the pastor, like, you can't, you know, manage your church if your home is in disarray. Like, right. it's the same thing right. as an entrepreneur. Like, you can't manage your business if your home is in disarray. And I saw, I saw my business plummet when, as I was going through my divorce. Like, I, that's real life. I saw my business go all the way to zero and and past that um because my home was just in disarray and i saw my i saw and i started to realize that the decline as i started to you know get involved in other relationships trying to manage now be two people in one and trying to run a business my my business just kept going down 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 so you gotta make sure your home is good um if you really want if you really want to have that, you know, domestic home and be an entrepreneur, you got to make sure you you know, everything is straight at the crib um, before you even worry about uh, about business. Um, because if something's like, how can you run the business if you stressed out at home? Like you, it's it's just a difficult thing to do. That's very true. Um, so that's my best advice, man. It's just and grow up. <laughs> That's the biggest thing. Like, grow up. Like, be a man. Let the like. I, I've been watching Game of Thrones. And, um, oh, you're a goddard. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I done, I just got roped in. I'm in like what season six right now. But dude said. I mean, you can find some gems in there, like some speaking points. Uh, but dude said to to character named Jon Snow, let the like uh, kill the boy, Jon Snow, kill the boy, so that the man can be born and I was like damn (laughs) that's a word (laughs) that kill the boy so the man can be born so that's that's you you got to take that you know as the the last thing you know to do as a as you try to be a husband boyfriend father entrepreneur you got to kill the boy and then then the man can be born if you don't kill that boy then the man can man can't live so great i know um we could do this all day i definitely want to have you back um probably for another episode um 
dealing with the man life, the manhood, man issues. Um, you have a lot of wisdom. Like you're talking, I'm listening to you, but you have a lot of wisdom of someone well past 28. I think that's really cool. Um, so I definitely want to bring you back on. Um, and for those that um, want to connect with you on social media, where can they find you? Um, so every everything that I have is Twitter, Instagram, is good past P. Those are my personal accounts. Those are my me, my brand, my personal brand. Good past P G O O D P A S S P. Um, and then Proverbs Reps are my is my agency. That's Proverbs, P-R-O-B-E-R-B-S, Reps, R-E-P-E-S, um, and that's Twitter, Instagram. And then the new Dallas Skyline is the Dallas Skyline BC. BC stands for Basketball Club. So Dallas Skyline, D-A-L-L-A-S, Skyline, S-K-Y-L-I-N-E, B-C, and that's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So. All right. All right, uh, I hope everyone has enjoyed this episode. And until next time, tune in to the Speaker Podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Speaker Podcast with your host, Camille Essick. You can reach Camille via email at kimikimiglasses at gmail.com and shop online at www.kimikimink.com. Catch new episodes of the Speak Her podcast on Spotify, Google Podcast, SoundCloud, iTunes, and YouTube. Follow Camille on Instagram at Kimiki Mink. Until next time, be blessed.